Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Smile. That I sound like a robot. <laughs> now you don't. Now you sound like Simone. <laughs> Hello this and welcome to Rocket. To you by Smile. This episode is brought to you by Smile, the product that makes you smile. I'm Simone de Rochefort, being myself, uh, and I'm joined tonight, of course, by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo, and Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat. Yeah, pot was uh, just legalized here in uh, Massachusetts, Simone. I'm just, I'm just saying, as of the 15th, it's totally legal here in Massachusetts. It's not legal to sell it, hey man, but it's legal to possess it. So I don't need anything to no, make me I, high. I don't, I don't presume that you I'm do. High on I'm life. just, I'm talking about the news, Simone de Rochefort. Oh, the news of today. Yeah, how are yeah. things over there in Massachusetts? <laughs> it's cold. I hear it's cold there. Terrible. Terrible. It's, I can't it's, start it's, my motorcycle. How do you grow your yeah, weed if it's so cold? <laughs> <laughs> Simone, I I am an upstanding citizen. Um, and you know, I I I am past the age where I smoke marijuana. So it's just there's a, a, a certain age you hit, let's call it 30, where it's just not attractive to do it on a, a daily what? basis. So, oh my god. Yeah. I so disagree. Talk to all are of you our kidding parents? Me? Yeah. Well, my parents. My parents are no, no, okay, no, no. Well, really? from the yeah. South, so. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I won't talk about Washington. <laughs> what happens in Washington State stays in Washington State. Um, I do not do or condone drug use. <laughs> <laughs> I so, do. Well, Christina do. Warren, firebrand. How do you feel about drugs, Christina Warren? I think <laughs> drugs are fantastic. They are. I mean, they I, are. I, yeah. I mean, I think that obviously, you know, do them in the right circumstances and 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 with the right sets of people and and certain drugs are better than others, but hell yeah. <laughs> Speaking drugs, of, kids, that's I'm my message. I'm finally finishing Freaks and Geeks. It is so good. It it just okay, gets go- better and better. Like I'd only ever so, watched so- maybe halfway through. Okay, so so did you get to the very end? No, I'm I'm literally two episodes away from the end. Okay, it's so good. Oh. We have to have a discussion because the finale oh, we will. is yes. really good, and it's yes, it's, it's really important. Oh. I almost want like a camera on your face as you're watching the final episode. Oh no, now I'm really just worried. So we can see no, it's all really the good. Emotions. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's just sad that there was only one season of the show. Am I gonna cry? Yeah, yeah, you are, but not, but not because the show is sad. Like it's a it's a hopeful sort of thing. It's more like they this was it. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And and but I mean, thank God it was it was such a failure because if it had been successful, then like all those writers and actors would have not been able to make you know future anything movies. else. <laughs> They'd still exactly. be freaks and geeks season twenty seven. <laughs> anyway, so um, so news. Christina, you wrote everything on the internet this week, like <laughs> yeah, everything including on, Rogue read, One. She actually wrote, wrote Rogue One. She did. It's amazing. Where she finds the time? I don't know for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with uh, AirPods, <laughs> shall we say? Or do we want to start with the Mac? Let's start with the Mac. That's okay, the, yeah. the big story this week. All right. All right. All right. So uh, you wrote a piece called uh, Apple is Having a Mac Crisis in response to a Bloomberg piece by Mark Gurman, uh, w- in which he actually spoke to people who worked at Apple um, who said that they felt like the Mac team was being deprioritized almost. 
uh, which it it's not updating as Macs aren't updating as frequently as they used to. And there've been a lot of high profile people leaving from that development team. And on the software side, everyone is the, the iOS people and the Mac people are all working together and it's kind of iOS first. Uh, So you're kind of discussing in this piece, what is Apple's efforts to make us, you know, feel like the Mac is fine and the Mac is still there, but also, um, just the the changes that have happened within that team and what that might say about the the future of the iMac, the Mac Pro, the Mac Mini, all these products that we don't necessarily keep in our purses. Although yeah. technically you could. I could have a Mac Mini in my purse right I, now. I keep my MacBook I keep my MacBook in my purse. I never leave the house without just but your desktop but what about your desktop Mac? I keep oh, my God, iMac no. in my purse. Yeah, yeah, Christina, I carry around my Mac Pro <laughs> I, I in don't know. a giant you backpack. You could. I wear my <laughs> iMac around my neck just as look, a, I have, you know, look, I got a special hook Look, people stuff. actually do make iMac backpacks, right? Oh, my God. It's true. It's they, true. they do. I no, mean, it's mostly... we've had conversation about your husband who saw the guy with the, the Yeah, computer. at Starbucks. <laughs> Every so day. So I shouldn't joke. Oh. There are no jokes on this show. We don't make jokes. Every day, that guy came in with that 24-inch iMac. That was years ago, back when they had a 24-inch iMac. But yeah, no. Every day, he was at Starbucks with his iMac. Yeah. No, uh, but I mean, I think that obviously, you know, this year we finally got the the laptop updates. And so I think even if everybody's not happy with the laptops, you, you can at least now say they're updated both, you know, across the board. The MacBook Air is basically dead. But, you know, the MacBook uh, received Good an update. In, in April. <laughs> oh, don't so say that. So yeah, I, I, we'll get, yeah, I, we'll get I, angry letters. Yeah. Not only that, I think, I think the MacBook Air, the problem with it being gone is that there's now not a thousand dollar, you know, okay. La- yeah, that's fair. That's Apple, yeah. Which I yeah. think is a real problem. I mean, they, they still sell it, but anyway, you know, so, so the MacBook, you know, got an update in, in uh, April and we just got the big MacBook Pro updates, both the, the one without the touch bar and the one with um, 13 inch and 15 inch. And so I think that even if you're not happy and, and certainly a lot of people aren't um, with the everything that's in the laptops, at least the laptops are current, uh, not as current as they could be because they're not KB Lake. That's not a huge deal from performance. It's just more of a kind of, I think, at least to me, more kind of like a niggle. I'm like, I'm paying all this money and I don't, I don't even have the latest processor. But, you know, the laptops are, are, are current. The desktops, though, I mean, are, are – look, I'll give the iMac a pass because it was updated in October 2015 to Skylake. And the thing is, is that the, the KB Lake chips that they would need to use, the desktop chips, are not available. So if they released an update this year – it would literally be maybe a little bit faster RAM, maybe some other stuff, but the processor would have to be the same. And that's That's a waste stupid. of time. Well, and, yeah. and I mean, Apple had to do that with the MacBook Pro. Uh, they had to do two Haswell MacBook Pros, kind of the same reason, because the Skylake ships were delayed. So I can give the iMac a pass, all right? Fine. It, it would still be nice if maybe it had different graphics, more updated other stuff, but I can understand they're stuck on Intel's roadmap. But then you look at the Mac Mini, which... I think of all the Macs, it's probably the least prioritized. It's kind of like the yeah. MacBook Air. You know, <laughs> that hasn't been updated since October 2014. And, and that's so that's an eternity. Well, that was it a is. very incremental update, too, if I and remember it was. correctly. It was, it was a very, it? Yeah. yeah, it was an incremental update. So, really, that hasn't had a significant update, I don't think, since they started soldering stuff in, I guess, in like 2012. Um, and, and so, you know, the Mac Mini. 
and again, I, that's never really been a priority for them, but it was at least a cheap machine. People would use them as servers. You could use them as, you know, backup for other stuff. Like that hasn't been updated. The real problem, and I, the one I think that is really distressing is the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro has not been updated since December 2013. Uh, when was it released? The, the redesign? December 2013. So, you know, the, the, there have been new Xeons that have come out. I, I could understand maybe the, the first, you know, iteration, maybe you didn't want to do anything, but there have been newer Xeons. Um, and at this point, the problem with the Mac Pro, and I talk to a lot of uh, video editors, you know, at my job, it chugs, it, you know, it, it's slow for video stuff because just of, of the, it's three years old and they weren't really, the, the, the software that people are using and the workflows that people have now with 4K, 4K was becoming, was starting to become a thing when the Mac Pro came out. But now it's like a, a reality. Most people, you know, most cameras are shooting in 4K, even if they're not exporting that, even if they're exporting to, to, to 1080p. Um, and so the IO is, is slower on that. Um, you know, even if you've got, you know, your, your eight core, uh, 16 core, I guess would be better, but like, you know, you, you have some issues, um, not to mention, you know, Thunderbolt two, which was great three years ago. Obviously now everybody's at Thunderbolt three and USB-C, um, the, the, the graphics cards, which were never, you know, which were always desktop, like, like, you know, like, a professional grade graphics cards not really designed for gaming or whatever are long in the tooth and so you know like and again like your 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 io stuff is, is not supporting um the, the latest monitors and stuff so like you're you know if you're and, and the prices are the same so if you're <laughs> going out to buy a mac pro because you need it as a professional for a video rig it's a difficult – I think it's difficult for a lot of professionals to make the decision, especially since so many shops, because of the Final Cut uh, Pro Ten transition, uh, moved away to Adobe. And yeah. so they're yeah. like, well, if I'm using Adobe anyway, why am I paying more money for a Mac that's using old stuff that doesn't have the I.O. Mm-hmm. I need, that's not really upgradable the way I want it to be, when I could get a PC? Yeah. Yeah, there's so much to pick apart here, Christina. But, you know, we've talked about this before on Rocket, but I I do believe this generation Mac Pro has been a misstep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about applications that are very processor intensive. This Mac Pro is built as a GPU machine. It's yes. got two hyper fast GPUs in it. So you're talking 3D modeling, you're talking mm-hmm. ZBrush work, you're talking um, After Effects stuff. If you're talking about video processing, that's really more IO and GPU rather sure. and, and CPU rather than GPU. Um, you know, my 2009 Mac Pro Octocore is still the ninth fastest Mac that's ever been made. And the only one even on that list is like the 12 core hyper expensive, you know, how much is it like six, $7,000 Mac Something Pro like from that, that year? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not built for the people you're talking about, which is why I think, um, I, I think history is going to judge it a misstep. Um, there's so much to talk about here. I, I guess maybe a, a good place to start attacking it is, you know, Vox had a really fantastic piece a few weeks ago looking at Apple as an organization and kind of um, asking if the the kind of um, abrogation of the entire line of Macs uh, really comes down to Apple's choice of, of style. You know, if you go over to Apple, you can't go to one person and find an entire department who is in charge of Macs. It's really run more, um, it, it's, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, thing about saying like, oh, it's a startup, you can't do more with a group of more than 100 people. That's still kind of true today. And what ends up happening, it's been very well documented in the Bloomberg thing, is, you know, engineers 
um, that might be a sign to say, yeah, take apart the the Mac Mini Mac Mini internals and kind mm-hmm. of update this and figure out the heat sink and the current draw and all those things to just do a, a moderate update. You know, they're assigned all over the map and they can mm-hmm. get pulled into iOS stuff. Uh, so what happens is you have these entire lines of product like Airport Express, Mac Pro. You know, um, I also want to give the 5K Retina iMac a pass, but you know, it's just not a priority. So I don't think it's so much a, a cultural thing as it seems very plausible to me. It's organizational. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think it was notable in German's report, you know, that, um, you know, that the people have been moved around and that the iOS team or the, the Mac OS team no longer is a separate team, that there now is one software engineering team. When I read that, I was a little bit, I was kind of taken aback because I know that that's kind of in the direction things have been going in. And you could make the argument that now that it's, you know, like 15 years old, that, that Mac OS, you know, the artist formerly known as OS 10, <laughs> the artist formerly known as Mac OS, like you could make the argument that it has it's matured to a place where maybe it doesn't need um, as many resources because it's stable. You know, it's Unix. Um, they the, the the additions that they're making are, are incremental, and some of them are kind of user facing. But on the back end, it's very stable, it, which is different than say you know iOS, which is still evolving and still needs you know big new features all the time. Um, but it's still it was kind of like reading that was kind of like a punch in the gut as a Mac user. I'm going, Oh my God, you know, they don't even have a dedicated team anymore. It's all one team because I know that they're all, you know, that, that iOS is, you know, um, is built on, on the foundational stuff of, of, of Mac OS, but knowing that it's the same team just makes you realize as a, at least makes me think like as an organization, Apple, because they get so much of the revenue from iPhone, because they see mobile as the future, they've really just started to kind of stack all their engineering talent, both hardware and software in that direction and it is strange because even even if the you know they're working to unify ios and mac os it still to me seems like it would help to have people whose priority is just thinking about that operating system and thinking about new things for it developing it making sure that it's working even if it's as it exists it's stable but to like look at the future but be thinking of macOS first rather than ios and then how that could come over to the mac that, yeah, yeah, and that's how it was a couple of years ago, and and, and in fact, after Scott Firstall was was forced out, and everybody everything come kind of went under Fred uh, under Craig uh, Federighi. Uh, from, from what I understand from people who uh, uh, used to work at Apple, you know that that sort of happened where resources were shared between the two teams, and that made a lot of sense, especially on on, on asset stuff. But you still you know, there were still two teams. They might have gone back and forth for certain stuff, but there were still two teams. And and I think you're right, Simone. Like, it's even if you're sharing a lot of the same stuff to have people whose core job, and I'm sure that's still how the case it is. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are people who their primary m- mission is to just think about the Mac. But it seems telling to me, you know, if Gurman's reporting is correct, and I have no reason to, to believe that it's wrong, that there's not a separate, like, Mac division. And you know, I think that it shows with kind of like where is the company Apple's priorities are. I mean, it, you know, and, and that goes all the way into you know the hardware stuff too. But I mean, it really, even if you look at the last few, um, you know, Mac OS updates, I think they've been good. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's it's really been kind of more of like, I don't want to say maintenance release because that I think is harsher than I intend. But it, you're certainly not seeing them 
um, making the same sorts of of it, it's a secondary mission objective, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. there. There you they're go. Probably, so I mean, imagine this, like uh, you know, Simone, you you work for Polygon, right? Mm-hmm. Polygon's a big organization. You're a very competent journalist, and Christina, you are too. Imagine, Christina, if one day uh, you walked into the office and you were having to go write a story for a Jalopnik, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you could do that because there's a certain base level sure. skill, but would it be your best work or, or you know, Simone, what if they put you as an SB Sports? Is that the, SB the Nation? Box? <laughs> SB Nation? Yeah, I'm sure no, you could I told, make... the metaphor totally works. Well, like, I then, can, there is a core, right. you know, there's a shape of a news article that you can write and you're familiar with how that works in the back end and how it works, but... I, ironically, both Time Inc. and Condé Nast are doing those things. Yeah, well, whoops. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just I'm want to point that out. That's actually that. very funny. But what I was going to say for engineering, so much of engineering is it's it's hard to describe if you haven't done it. It is remembering conversations that you had three years ago about problems and then putting it all together and figuring this out like engineering teams are not fungible you can't like this is why you know typically uh government software engineering is so terrible because they do tend to treat those people like fungible interchangeable parts um it just doesn't work like that so if you don't have a team that's you know thinking about the mac all day long, asking how they can get new chips in the Mac all day long, asking how they can really push the the laptop, the desktop forward, asking what role those devices take in our lives in a world that has been so upended by mobile. I don't think you can be surprised that we come to this really mediocre result. And, mm. you know, Christine, we've got to talk about this. Um, you know, your article did talk or touch on a little bit of, you know, Tim Cook's uh, messages on a, a local Apple message board. Do we want to touch on that? Yeah. So, I mean, and look, I'm just going to call it out. I think that the, the timing of the leak to TechCrunch was really suspect. Uh, but um, I, I think that it was absolutely done to uh, preempt the Bloomberg article. Mm. I, I think it was a PR offensive move. But no, that's ab- not, I think. I, I feel, yeah, I mean, I don't know 100%, but this is classic PR 101. It's a smart strategy. Um, but, you know, TechCrunch obtained, you know, um, a, you know a, a Q&A from, from Tim Cook on their internal forums. And... He was asked outright, says, you know, uh, this is what the, the uh, question was from the employee. It says, we had a big MacBook Pro launch in October and a powerful upgrade to the MacBook back in the spring. Are Mac desktops strategic for us? And the answer, I think, is really kind of telling because he talks about, like, the desktop is very strategic for us. And he talks about, you know, how, how important they are and different it is. But then the only desktop he mentions is the Retina 5K iMac. Yeah. Um, the mm-hmm. Mac Pro wasn't mentioned. I wouldn't expect the Mac Mini to be, to be mentioned, even if they had <laughs> plans for that, uh, frankly. But it says, you know, um, let me be very clear. We have great desktops on our roadmap. Now, the thing is, um, I think that, uh, again, I think that it's very, very telling that um, uh, TechCrunch was, was leaked this information, um, you know, 12 hours before Bloomberg's story went up. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think that, you know, and then obviously Bloomberg reached out to Apple for comment. And so I, I feel pretty confident Apple knew a story like this, you know, was in the works. So I think that's very telling. Um, and, and I think, it, I think it was done to, uh, just, you know, to give our, our listeners a little bit of insight, how the sausage is made. This is not unique to just Apple, but this is what companies do when they find out that a story is happening. They want to kind of reach out preemptively and get their version of the spin out. So I think they were trying to kind of spin things and say, everything's fine. Um, but you know, 
I parsing Tim Cook's statement, I don't know if everything's fine. If the only Mac desktop you're mentioning is the iMac. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, Marco Arment tweeted, you know, he said to to Apple, like, this is indicative that they see the desktop as the iMac. That was definitely the most interesting part. I mean, your whole article is interesting, but that was the part that really stuck out to me. Again, like a an ooh moment, just because it is a very diplomatic answer. Um, It's a good answer, but yeah, there there are other or there were other Mac desktop products, and the fact that I I well okay, I guess I don't know what if Tim Cook could just be like, and we have you know we're updating the Mac and the Mac Mini someday. I don't know if he can even say that in this kind of thing, but. Yeah, the fact that the iMac is equated with desktop. Um, I, I guess I would I would say this. Um, I I love Apple. You know, Christine, we had another article this week about uh, you know the best thirteen uh, inch laptop out mm-hmm. there, and you were talking about how you will never move from a Mac, and I'm probably right there with you. Like I, I love Mac, and that's where my heart is. But I've really got to just be straight here. Um, you know. Christina, you went to church growing up. Do you know how you can walk into a church and you know the Nicene Creed or whatever your equivalent was, whatever denomination you are, and you just know it chapter and verse, and you've heard sure. it so many times, and it becomes utterly meaningless. When Tim Cook is saying stuff on here, like, and you know, like his answers to like really difficult questions, like where does like where does the Mac fit in the world today? What are Apple, what should we be advocating for with their things? And he comes in this trite answer i've heard a thousand times like oh, our best assets are people and this part of our dna and we will never you know He's it, very it just good. comes across <laughs> it comes across is so insincere to me it does and i understand more than most people that when you're in the public eye you have to really think about the messages that you put out there but if your mission is to give a counterpoint to a frankly devastating Bloomberg piece by one of the best Apple reporters in the entire business. Absolutely. To answer questions that could have been done substantively in such a... Disrespectful is too strong a word, but just um, a way that doesn't come across as genuine. It just, it feels... Down it feels like a wasted. It, it it didn't it didn't seem very genuine to me, um, and I just you know I realize that Apple is going to march to the beat of their own drum, and I'm not one of these people who wants to say Apple's doomed. Blah 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 blah. But I do think that Christine, you're you're giving some really solid, indisputable facts at the start of the show. Mac Pro, very expensive, not updated. Mac Mini, absolutely ignored. Uh, 5K iMac, we'll give it a rest, but still not upgraded for an entire year. You have the laptops. Okay, you can argue that this is a good thing. Came out to some mixed reviews, probably better than mixed reviews, and you know did not satisfy a lot of the customers. I want to hear more substance and thought between the message that he's sending people. Because for me, I'm going... You know, why am I still investing in Apple? You know, the Windows ecosystem is not bad. These Surface products really look good. Why am I still here? And truly, the answer right now is Apple Music. Mm. Interesting. I have a question, I guess, for you, because 
I think both you, Christina, and Mark Gurman are of the opinion that these products are necessary and important for Apple. Yeah. What, what can they possibly do? Are, 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 are they, you know, still working on these and just going to be refreshing them late as they have been? Or are they going to, I guess, just keep ignoring it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that I don't th- look, I've talked to a number of people at Apple over the years about the Mac because this has kind of been a mantra that's been building, frankly, since the iPhone was released, which is Apple doesn't care about the Mac anymore. And up until I think honestly this year, I felt like that was a little bit overblown. Now though, it's it's harder to as Brie was saying, I think it's 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 a it's an aggregate when you compare it with a bunch of other things, you go you really can't ignore the reality that this is not their priority anymore. Um, that said, I do think that people at Apple love and care about the Mac. I do think that it's something that will always be important to them. I don't think it's something that they they dislike. I just don't think it's a priority the way that it once was. And so I think when it's not a priority that way, and, and German's article went into some details about how they have bake-offs for, for certain designs and that they have certain you know challenges and things that they want to accomplish, and they are sometimes willing to make compromises, you know, like in the case of, of, of battery life on the new MacBook Pro and and maybe, you know, some some other uh you know changes uh that that were um uh, brought up for for the next MacBook and 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 the, the ultimately didn't make the cut. And and so I do think that they're still trying to kind of push forward with with innovation. I just think that, you know, your resources are limited and you're a company that is ultimately beholden to your shareholders and to kind of your bottom line. And and if, you know, 60 plus percent of your revenue is coming from your phone, you know, it probably is more important to put your engineering resources there. I don't argue that. But I mean, I think, I mean, I think that, you know, German, he, he said that we're probably going to see an iMac refresh with some different ports and, and an updated graphics card. That mm-hmm. sounds about right to me. To me, I would say, you know, as soon as Intel has the the, the proper KB Lake chips, I would expect them to refresh the iMac. And so the, the back of it, instead of having USB, you know, uh, three ports, they're going to have, you know, USB-C and, and um, you know, have, you know, four or six ports on the back of that and, and, and a better graphics card, but have the exact same, you know, other design as the iMac. I, I That's mm-hmm. what I expect. The Mac Pro, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, uh, German's article kind of intimated that there were some uh, challenges, I guess, early on with maybe the production process and and that some people wanted to move assembly um, back to Asia because, you know, it was famously being done in the United States. Um, Are you of the opinion that Apple needs the Mac Pro or can the (sighs) iMac kind of step into that role if it gets if it's more powerful? Well, I think that they don't need it because I think that at this point they are no longer really a company that I, th- <laughs> All I think two Mac your- Pros that sell a year. <laughs> no, it's not even that. No, they sell a lot of them. Okay. Here, here's the problem. You know, Apple used to kind of go after that professional class of user, and I still think that they like that user, but I think that increasingly they really go after kind of the high-end consumer and have you see it on the software side, you know, with when they made the shift from Final Cut, you know, Pro 7 to Final Cut Pro 10, that was kind of the the first indication that they were not listening to what that user base was giving them and and even though i think that that i think that it's been historically at at one time it was very much 
great bragging rights for them to talk about all of the movies that were made and, and edited on Max. And especially when before Apple was the most dominant company in the world, it was definitely a feather in their cap to say, well, anybody who wants to do real creative work, the real creative class uses a Mac. Um, I don't know if they care as much about that anymore. I think that the consumer business is worth more money to them. And so they're really a mainstream company. And so instead, you see companies like Microsoft really now going after that group. Again, though, I mean, is Microsoft going to make any money off of the Surface Studio? I don't think they will. I don't think that's why you build the Surface Studio. I think you build the Surface Studio to show that you have the prowess and, hey, we can actually compete with this, this audience. But the reality is, is that even if they were to have the perfect Mac Pro today, because of the way that software has changed and because people are using Linux workstations to do a lot of, you know, uh, uh, Uber processing for video and because Adobe at this point has, you know, the market share for the the, the software space in video, um, it's going to be hard for them to win that market back. And I don't know if they need to. I mean, I don't think from a bottom line, from a fiscal bottom line, they need to. I think that they lose face maybe publicly, you know, I think it's, it's maybe, you know, something where like, it's a little bit of an embarrassment that all your video houses and everybody used to be editors on a Mac and now they're using PCs. I think that's obviously embarrassing, but I don't think that as a company, it's going to kill them if they don't have a Mac pro anymore. And I think that for you know a lot of people who are doing, you know, development work on, on iOS or, or, or Mac or whatever, um, Frankly, the iMac for most of them is powerful enough. There are people who it won't be and who will be annoyed. There are always edge cases, hey, but I think that's really <laughs> it, it's to, totally Brianna's one of them. Yeah. But I think, that, but 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 I think that for a lot of other people, it kind of gets to the point where they're like, "Well, that's a fringe group that we just don't because this isn't a priority for our business anymore because it's ten percent of our business and not forty percent, or you know, at fifteen years, ten years ago, you know." 90%, uh, actually probably was 70% then, who, who knows, because of iPod. But, you know, it, 10 years ago, most of Apple's revenue was coming from the Mac. It's not anymore. And so I, I don't know if they need that audience. I think it's probably just more of, a, of an embarrassment thing if, if they don't. I think if you're asking people to stick in the Apple ecosystem, to you know, be all in on iCloud, to be all in with iTunes purchases, to be in with you know, Apple Music, to, to kind of be invested in Apple land, you've got to have a, a wide array of products that can let all kinds of different people do work there. Uh, if someone's a photographer, they need to have a Mac available for them. If someone's mm-hmm. a programmer, they need a Mac available for them. That said, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but I, I listen here at Relay to a lot of, um, you know, our other hosts talking about the Mac Pro. And I have always felt that within Apple analysis, there is um, a real almost a misunderstanding about what the Mac Pro is built for. You you have the old cheese grater style Mac Pro. You know, it's built with server parts. I I really feel that this is not it, it's sort of a game machine if you want to update that all the time and like buy EFI flashed uh graphics cards, but it's a it's a workhorse that solves CPU processor intense problems by throwing a lot of processors at it. So, you know, Christina, earlier in the show today, you're talking about KB Lake, which is a very small upgrade about, 
you know, over the previous generation chip. Sure. Yeah, it's substantive. But the Mac Pro solves this problem by throwing eight of those mofos in a box. <laughs> right. So it doesn't really work as much. So for the cheese grater Mac Pro, this is a product for someone that is doing renders. This is a product for someone that is uh, color correcting an entire movie. This is a Mac for someone that is baking an entire uh, get from a large team on a daily basis. Right. So when they come into the office, they have distributed updates of the earliest build. It is not a Mac for a small one or two person shop to make quick binaries. Right. In Xcode. This is what the iMac is for. And I feel honestly that Apple could address those needs by just creating an iMac variant with, you know, two different motherboards or two different cores. Just throw yeah. some more cores at that problem. That will take care or, of those or, people. I, right. I would agree. Or, or even use a desktop graphics card. Right. Um, that, that, that would be an engineering challenge, and I understand, blah, 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 blah. You know, they've got to fit it in the screen. But they want to make it thin. But, I mean, honestly, even if, if you had that, like, like you said, throw a few more cores in there, I think have a desktop class uh, graphics card, and, and the iMac certainly becomes very competitive. Right. Um, you know, but they need to have something there. And where Apple falls down for the real work that the Mac Pro is built to do is they don't work with ZBrush to do updates at all. You know, they don't go into these pro 3D rendering apps and work with those people to put it in metal. So I'm sitting there pricing on a new Mac Pro going, holy crap, I've got to throw more and more cores at That's this just point. because OpenGL is so inefficiently implemented right. uh, in, in Mac OS. I'm, it's going to be hard to keep saying that. Oh, I know. So, so my, my point here is... I think in the Apple developer in in the Apple commentator community, I I do think there is a, a general misunderstanding about what the Mac is for. I don't think it's made for the people that complain about it a lot, but I think that I think that something like the Mac Pro should exist, and they need to either go all in on the GPU side and make something like the Surface Studio and work closely with Adobe and Autodesk to make something that really works with the stylus on your desktop and say, hey, this is the fastest graphic card for you to put together After Effects renders or motion graphics or 3D graphics or animation. Mm -hmm. It's the best in the world. Here you go. Or they need to go all in on processor power and make the Marcos of the world happy and say, okay, you want to compile your app? Here you go. But right now, it's in this, like, both the iMac and the Mac Pro are in this this middle ground that's right. not serving anyone. And they're not updating it. And people are very correctly pissed. Yeah. No, I, I think so. And, and I think that it's just, I think for a lot of us, you know, there are millions upon millions upon millions of people out there who came to Apple through the iPhone. But there are plenty of us who, you know, came to them through the Mac and first fell yeah. in love with Apple as a company and as a brand because of the Mac. And I guess to, that's where I certainly sit as a, as a user. And so I don't know. It's, it's ironic we're talking about this. On um, I didn't know I didn't know this until I saw it on Stephen Hackett's blog. But today is the 20th anniversary of Apple buying Next. Oh, wow. <laughs> which which is like probably the most important, you know, like decision in computing in modern computing history like business yeah. decision i would say yeah. you know about yeah. the last 20 years definitely the most important and so it's, it's funny we're having this conversation today yeah she's <laughs> well this episode of rocket is brought to you by smile 
uh, which is what we aren't doing after that topic. Um, but no, smile. Uh, if you if you for this holiday season get someone the gift of a smile product, you will be giving them, in fact, two gifts. And one of those gifts is the greatest thing of all. It's time. More time. Saving time. Hoarding time. Like a dragon. A great dragon of time. Stacking up your time in your closet because you are using smile products and therefore have more time than anyone else. You can, for example, uh, give someone a text expander subscription for this holiday season. Get them up to speed by sharing some of your own snippets that you have. Show them what a real time saver looks like. It's you. Smile subscriber. So if they're not a person, well, okay, we all need text expander because we all want to easily be able to just drop in words or phrases that we use every day with the touch of a button. So, you know, we could all use text expander. But if, you know, for some reason they want something else, say, say, say they sign a lot of papers, they're doing a lot of paperwork, you could get them a PDF pen for the Mac. They'll be able to scan, OCR, edit, and export into Word, which is super useful. It's the Swiss Army knife of PDF handling programs PDF pen by Smile. And uh, since we are all on the go now, you can get PDF pen for iPad and iPhone or PDF pen scan plus uh, using the gift this app function on the app store. So a lot, lots of options. Get someone and make someone's life easier this holiday season with the power of smile. Make them smile and save them time and make their lives easier. Uh, you can learn more about Smile's software at smilesoftware.com slash rocket. And while you're there, you can check out the new Text Expander blog where you can learn more about public groups and snippet keys and Text Expander for iPhone and iPad and Smile stickers, which Ooh. I have a lot of. But if you want to be cool like me and put Smile stickers on your bullet journal... You should go to smilesoftware.com slash rocket. No, seriously, they are really nice and really awesome. They make solid software. Uh, PDF pen and, um, and text expander are great. Y'all love them. And yeah, smilesoftware.com slash rocket. Rocket. Happy holidays. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so... After a couple months of delay, the Apple AirPods have finally found their way to the hands, the small hands, of Christina Warren, who then <laughs> put them in her ears and yep. used them with her ears. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, Air, so AirPods are, are finally shipping. They're backordered right now until February. Um, some Apple stores Ugh. have them. So your best bet of getting them right now, Best Buy has been getting them kind of intermittently um, on their website. But your, your best bet right now, if you want them, is to try your Apple store and see if, if they're going to you know, be getting um, the in stock before February. Um, you know, we don't know why they were delayed, but they're, they're finally here. Um, and so they're, I have to kind of preface this by saying that I had a pre-production pair of um, AirPods um, that I got when I got my review unit iPhone. And so I was definitely familiar with them and, and I'd kind of given my impressions about um, the pre-production models before the software wasn't finalized, but they felt pretty final to me. And, and that was kind of the general consensus, I think, amongst those of us who had them. So um, I, I, you know, I got them on Friday and I, I spent the weekend with them and my review went up on a uh, 
on Monday, and um, I like them. You know, I, they're not perfect, but I've I reviewed and or or used a, a bunch of of truly wireless um, earphones uh, over the last you know year and a half or so, and. Uh, without a doubt, I think these are the best so far. There, I know that there are a number of other companies who have products planned to come out, you know, early in 2017 that are um, definitely going to be um, going after this market. But, but at least for me right now, these are definitely my favorites. Uh, but, but they're not perfect, you know. So there are downsides. Um, there are downsides. I mean, the, the upsides. I will say. The, the and the, this is kind of giving me the mixed thing is when it comes to everybody wants to know well how do they feel? Um, they felt great in my ears. They're actually more comfortable than regular ear pods. But I know that a lot of people have problems with ear pods in their ears and, and think that they're uncomfortable. So if you're one of those people who regular ear pods won't fit in your ears, uh, like I know our friend Marco Arment is one of these guys, you know, you're going to want to try them out in the store first and, and, and give it a feel because don't spend $160 <laughs> on truly wireless headphones. And this isn't, this doesn't just go for Apple. This goes for any company. Like the the biggest problem I've had with most of the other truly wireless headphones that I've reviewed have been that they feel like oversized earplugs, so they hurt. Ooh. Like I, I like I had a pair of uh, uh, Soul Republic made these things called the Amps, which they sounded okay, but they are literally the most uncomfortable things I've ever had in my ear. And then Jabra had uh, they have this thing called the Elite Sport, which are designed to be worn while working out. Um, who pro- we had a problem with that. Our reviewer, uh, they kept falling out of his ears, and then um, one of them fell on a subway grate. So, <gasps> oh no! That, so that was that. that oh, so, no. so you know, yeah. So the fit is definitely a problem that uh, all the companies are kind of facing. I think that I think they feel great. I wouldn't go running in them, although people certainly have. But I would go on the treadmill without a problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think they feel good, and and they're remarkably tiny, especially again, like I said, if you compare them to some of the other fully wireless earbuds, because you know um, they've got this you know longer little stem where the microphone is. Um, they don't feel like plugs. But yeah, there are some downsides. So the first, the my primary downside is when it comes to kind of controls. So. Um, they have Siri built into them because they have microphones. And the idea is that, you know, you should be able to kind of talk to your 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 earphones. And that's great in theory. Mm. Uh, the problem is, okay, so like playback control. So by default, you can you can set it. Uh, but, but by default, what you do is when you double tap either um, earbud, um, it activates Siri. And then you can say, hey, Siri, you know, what's the weather or what's directions or, you know, volume up or, you know, um, play or pause or, or, or skip track. You can say things like that. The problem is, is that um, if you want to say raise the volume, let me go through the process of what it's like to turn the volume up on your AirPods. So you're walking down the street and you're listening to a podcast, hopefully Rocket, which is everyone's favorite podcast. So you're listening to Rocket while you're walking down the street and it's getting a little loud and you want to turn it up. Now, you don't want to reach into your purse or, or pocket or whatever and pull out your phone. You want to raise the volume. So you double tap on the side and you wait for you know the Siri ting to happen and then you go volume up and you wait a couple of seconds <laughs> and then it then your podcast resumes and it's a little bit louder, but it's still not loud enough. So you have to double tap again, wait for the pause, wait for the Siri thing, and then say volume up again, and then wait, and then have your volume, you know, um, resume. And and then it's too loud. And so you're like, all right, I want to turn it down a little bit now. So you have to double tap, <laughs> wait, and then say volume down, and then wait, and then have your podcast resume. Did it so, seem like the same increments that... Um that uh, are in the existing 
um, ear pods, like when the, that have the wires where you're pressing the button on the yeah. on the cable. Okay, yeah, it, that's yeah, a it's, pain it's, in it's, the butt. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't exactly. think I've ever like. I'm constantly like, oh, this two two taps up. No, now one tap down. Three taps exactly. up this time because this part of the song is really good. I got to go up right. three taps for this. <laughs> or, or, no. or I'm in a loud area on on a train. Okay, it gets worse because Siri needs an internet connection. Now you're on the now now you're on the train. You're on an airplane. You're someplace where you want to control your stuff. First of all, talking to your headphones in public looks a little weird. But let's pretend that you're okay with talking in public. <laughs> If you're underground or you're on an airplane, you're not connected to the internet, you can't use Siri. So you still have to dig your phone out of your pocket and control them manually. Now, are these niggles? Are these like, you know, sort of com- stupid complaints? Sure. But in fairness, most other fully wireless earbuds have some sort of volume control or play pause control on the side. Now, you can alter the way that the double tap feature works. And so you can, in the settings, you can set it from activating Siri to play pause. So that's a little bit better. But the problem is, is if you do that, then you can't activate Siri with it at all, which means you can't skip, you can't do any volume stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's, if you're, if you're the sort of person who has become accustomed to controlling your volume playback and, you know, like your, your, your track selection with one hand, as I think a lot of us have because of, you know, the standard ear pod controllers going from having access to that, like kind of one handed instantly to having to either talk to yourself or, um, <laughs> you know, reach in and, and deal with on your phone or your, you could use your Apple watch is a little annoying. Um, is it a deal breaker for me? It's not, but it's just one of those things that I look at this. I'm like, you have the sensors on the side, you have these touch sensors, why couldn't we have gotten, you know, a swipe up gesture for volume? Yeah, yeah. You know, like to me, I, that's I just like trying a to imagine, Christian, like I'm walking down the street and, you know, I'm listening to, I don't know, Black Tiger Sex Machine, Jack That Body. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, because I share an iTunes account with my husband, then that monster has messed with all my songs. And then I'm listening to, to you too, suddenly like an animal. Oh, and then what am I yeah, going to do? do that? Then what am I going to do? Am I going to like talk to Siri? Like I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be desperate. And I'm, I'm not going to be able to communicate that to Siri. So yeah, like, grab your phone. No, this is uh this is uh I, at least there's, there's a hope that maybe they could, address this with like a software update because you can imagine ways to add it but because you could could totally think that you could have like a certain number of taps like like three taps of skipping you know two taps like they do anyway right right i mean i mean you exactly there there would be software solutions to this problem and i certainly don't think it's a deal breaker but it is one of those things where i noticed them with the pre-production units and it's certainly definitely it exists you know in the final ones um so that that's just kind of the reality of living without wires um i think that you know the advantage i think the audio quality is great um are are they you know going to be as good as your over-ear headphones no are they the best sounding you know in-ears i've ever had no but they're good i think that they're in in you know i did some side-by-side comparisons i think they sound better than regular ear pods now for 160 dollars they should because yeah. ear pods are not great sounding headphones at all. <laughs> um, but, but, but they sound good. You know, there's not a lot of bass, but, but it sounds, they, they sound solid. They, they fit well in your ear. I think it's a good 1.0 product. Battery life is five hours, which for these size is actually quite good. Uh, some people in, in the comments of my review are like, oh, that's a deal breaker. And I'm like, actually, for this type of product, that's really good. Um, the, the little uh, charging case um, if you pop them in for 15 minutes, you get another three hours of charge time. And that case is also good for 24 hours of battery life. So you can probably get, 
you know, depending on how often you're listening to your headphones or your earphones and, and what your you know, thing is like, I would probably say you could probably get, you know, a week out of listening, you know, on a single huh. charge. Um, you know, if, if you have your, your buds in all the time, maybe that's not going to be the case. But but I think about about a week is probably um, uh, would be standard. And so that's not bad. My favorite part of the process, and and you, uh, this is uh, the W one chip that's built into the earpods, is the pairing process, which is just literally so seamless. You literally flip up the magnetic charging case, and the first time you do it, when it's near your iPhone, a little you know spinning thing will come up with with and say you know AirPods and say would you like to connect, and you press the connect button, and it pairs it. You don't have to open up the Bluetooth screen. You don't have to deal with any of the pairing stuff. That's very and futuristic. I like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And 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 what's great about it is if you're signing with iCloud and you have a Mac and an Apple Watch and an iPad or whatever. Um, it'll automatically pair to those devices too. And then you can just switch the input on any of those devices. So if your Mac is logged into the same iCloud as your as your phone, for instance, it's automatically paired. And then just in the, you know, the Bluetooth settings on your Mac, you just select your AirPods and, and can switch over um, seamlessly, which is really nice. So, do, the, uh, do the PowerBeats 3 also have that W1 yes, chip? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Because I found so many bugs with that. I was talking to you about this on yeah. Facebook, like with uh, other Beats products. So if you... Uh, I. It's a reproducible bug, and I've I've experimented with it. I've shown it across multiple devices, multiple phones. But if you're using a lot of other uh, Beats products, like I have my Studio Beats, which are my favorite things I own, it it screws up, and it gets to this point where you have to go wipe the entire headphones for it to start oh, no. over. It's it's a really frustrating process, but yeah. I, I, I imagine that's because they they might share like the same Bluetooth ID or something. Yeah, or something. I, that, I don't that's know. not an excuse at I'm, all. But but I well, imagine that's it's just saying like the advantage to getting this is the the battery life is a little better versus my yes. Power Beats too, uh, and the earbuds are a little more comfortable in your ear. But like the big thing is the W one chip, right? Yep, the W one uh, chip. It, yep, it's not super well implemented. Maybe it's better done here. Uh, but I my real question for you, Christina, is like, does it make you feel like Lieutenant? Uhura, because <laughs> kind of. honestly, is 90% of why I want to get this. Yeah, no, I mean, you do sort of feel like you're in the future. Yeah. And it's one of those yeah. things where, you know, at first people kind of made fun of the look. Yeah. But I, I had an instance, I'll, I'll tell this story now, I guess I'd had them like <laughs> maybe like a week. And I was out in public with them and I was at old Wendy's. Hmm. And I was like waiting in line. And like the guy behind the counter was so excited to see me in my earpods. <laughs> he like pulled like his buddy out like like from behind the grill. He was like, "Look, she's got him. She's got him. I'm getting those." And like he was so wow. excited. So oh. I mean, you know, um, but but weirdly, I mean, I do live in New York, so it's a little bit different. People just don't care as much. But weirdly, like I was kind of expecting I was like people to like give me weird looks, you know, with them on, or at least kind of notice. And it's like nobody notices. Um, <laughs> Everyone's probably but, like, yeah. "Oh, her cord is just tucked into her scarf because no, it's totally. freaking <laughs> twenty three degrees out." <laughs> no joke. Oh, that is one thing I will say that's interesting. Um, I uh, I didn't have any issues with um, the, the the cold with the Bluetooth. I had an, an interesting experience with my Beat Solo threes. Mm. wireless which also used the w1 chip um i think free because i don't use other beats products at least not at the same time so i haven't had that same pairing issue that you have although oh. I, I think it's it's crappy that you have but like um i i before you know i got the final airpods you know my even now like my, my subway headphones have been beats uh, solo twos last year and this year the solo threes because they've got this great battery life 
well, because it's been so cold out, walking, you know, if my headphones are over my ears, they shut off. Oh. Like, they literally, like, will shut off because it's, like, 20 degrees outside, and they're like, yep, nope, we're, we're going to break. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, are, we, we are turning ourselves off to save ourselves, which I think is sort of interesting. And then I'll, like, really? get in the subway. Yeah, and then I'll, like, get in the subway and, like, wait for everything to, like, warm up, and then all of a sudden they'll turn on again. Um, wow. But I didn't have that inst- I didn't have that with, with the AirPods. I don't know if it's because, you know, it's, like, under, like, my hair and, like, it's, it's you know, in your ear so it's warmer. I don't know. But I didn't have that in- that, that, that um, instance or, or that, that occurrence because it was – that was a weird thing that happened with my Solo 3s last week. I was like, huh, that I is guess so it really on. is cold. I think if your electronics are shutting down because they're so cold, which is usually good for electronics, I think you should, I don't know, maybe not go outside. Maybe we should move. I was actually thinking about it. I, no, I yeah. was thinking about it. I was like, oh, maybe this was a sign I should have Ubered to work today. But then I was just like, I just like, pat, I just like pressed on. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, you totally feel like you're kind of in the future though. Um, and uh, I will say this though, the the microphone quality is really good. Like, so if you are the sort of person who wants to talk on the phone with them, like mm-hmm. that's a completely fine experience and it's it's going to sound every bit as good as probably better than any you know wireless headset you wireless microphone you've used before so i get reading your review when i when i first read through it and thinking about the i guess lack of gesture control i was like Ugh. hearing you talk about it it doesn't sound like much of a deal breaker to me or as much as i thought it was initially <sighs> i mean but, it's annoying but it's yeah annoying. And it, I, but- when i'm hearing you talk about this what i'm thinking is would this improve my headphone experience meaningfully? And for me, I think it just would not. Right. And that it's not worth think, it um, for me at this point. Yeah. And also because I, I still have an iPhone with a headphone jack. And I right. will for the next year. So, Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that, look, and like I said in my review, I think these are absolutely the best purely wireless earphones you can get. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody should run out and buy them. Yeah. I, I don't think that this category is perfected yet. I think we're still at the very early stages. I think this is really good first effort. And I think if you're a gadget freak and like this is a great Christmas stocking stuffer, assuming you can find them, like they're, and I, you know, they're, they're, they're good. And I think the price, pe- some people complain about the price. I didn't even mention price in my review as an issue because like if you look at what the other ones cost, they're completely yeah, in line totally with this. Like reasonable. It's, it's completely yeah. reasonable. You know, are they more expensive than what a lot of people spend on headphones? Sure. Um, what I would say is this, if you're looking for this W1 chip and, and if you don't have a number of other Beats products, I think that the, the Powerbeats 3s are going to give you better battery life and obviously be better for working out. They're not going to be as small and svelte, obviously. And they're um, ugly. I think, I think they're, they're so ugly. ugly. Yeah. I, th- I think that the Solo 3s are great. Um, they're going to be more expensive because they're $300, although Amazon has them for like $240. Um, but they give you 40-hour battery life, the same easy you know pairing. Um I think they look good because they come in rose gold. Um, I think that for some people, that might be like a better choice if you want like over the ear. But if you're prizing, you know, portability and and size over everything else, I think these are good. Otherwise, I think that a lot of people, you know, if you wanted to wait for an X version, which might have gestures, might have other stuff, maybe a more refined design, I think that's okay. Um, But I'm by no means saying it's a bad product. I just think that once you kind of get into this world, the thing that kind of struck me was that this is the best version of this product that I've seen. And it's still, there are trade-offs, you know, with this fully wireless world. Like nobody's really nailed this yet, but Apple's certainly come the closest. All right. That's fair. Shall we talk about Rogue One? I, I just have to say one last thing. Absolutely. Just, Christina, yeah, I have always wondered why you prefer the Solo 3 headphones instead of the Beat Studio wireless because well, I find I them 
Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had the studio wireless. I just right, right, right. But you, you you rocked that right, and then I saw the picture in your review, and your ears are so tiny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm like, that is why. That is why you like, nailed it. That's that's the answer right that there. Is the, no, you so, got it because because I love the I love I love the studio yeah, wireless. Yeah, but they're big and they're heavy and I love that they're like you know they're good headphones but yeah it's a lot whereas like the solo threes I know a lot of people are like oh they're too small for my ears and I'm like <laughs> they're perfect for my head man my head is so small I saw that Why picture I'm like the mystery human? is answered the mystery is answered <laughs> oh your ears are really tiny yeah oh, I'm seeing it <laughs> now I'm a tiny person. I mean, yeah. that's what everybody says when they meet me in person. They're like, oh, you're much smaller than I expected. I think of you as like six foot 20 in my mind. <laughs> like you're just a 50 foot woman walking through New York all yeah. the time. Every day when I'm walking to work, I see Christina in the distance, silhouetted against the skyline. <laughs> so tall. So we all saw Rogue One. <gasps> yeah. For once, oh, we've all seen a movie that came out. Amazing. Yay. Amazing. Yes. So I, th- I think we can confirm now. There are some interesting articles going around about the the reshoots and like comparing the early trailers with uh, what eventually ended up in the movie. So I think we can safely say that the, the reshoots were a good idea. Definitely. Um, so are, is, are we going to be doing a spoilery thing this podcast? Let's, um, let's I don't dis- think so. Let, let, let's not. Okay. So let's we're generally spoiling we Rogue One for you. You've heard it yeah. here first. Um, very good. Definitely some, for me, like some cheesy lines, but then I'm remembering, okay, like this is Star Wars. And if I go back and watch the original movies, I'm sure there's also going to be some cheesy lines. Um, Fantastic freaking casting. First of all, I'm in love with Diego Luna, which I think I have been probably since I was 15, but like more so now because he's gorgeous. Uh, And just the entire ensemble cast they put together, like, I didn't think the characters were very fleshed out, but I loved the, I guess, interplays between them. And I just, the actors were all very good in their roles. Um, And just the sound of TIE Fighters still makes me, sends chills down my spine. So Star Wars is good, y'all. Okay. So I I talk. I I freaking loved it. A film review by Simone DeRoche. So much. I, I really thought I would go into it and you know, like it's, I like Ray, I like Ray, but she's just too nice for my taste. And I just wanted someone that was more rogue and more, more dark. And I was really expecting to like, uh, Jen Ezra. Um, and it's just really not even a movie about her at all. Uh, you know, the feminist overtones basically don't exist in this film. And, um, but it's still a really, really powerful war movie. Um, you know, the, the scenes in this movie are prison camps and seeing like how the, the empire like conscripts labor to build their projects. And it's really a movie about the cost of war and it is dark and sad and felt like a gut punch and I was amazed Disney did the ending but this is um it's gonna be a little bit of time before I can really tell but I I think I'm gonna end up liking this more than Phantom Menace Ooh. Phantom Menace though I know, I, I know that you I'm like sorry. that but... The Force Awakens no, <laughs> Let, let's re-emphasize for the people at home defending, I'm done defending the prequels after the last two Star Wars movies like, I, I right. was you don't have to anymore for, yeah, it's, no, it, I don't. It's, it's it's frankly it's fine like we can all move past those garbage movies i think my favorite part of this movie specifically uh, i talked about this a bit on the stream that we did the day after is that it shows 
the Rebel Alliance in a light that we haven't seen before, which is that they do have to do really crappy things to fight the Empire. And that's, like you said, Bree, the cost of war is that sometimes they have to do things that aren't so, you know, good. Like, um, I think the the uh, four, five, and six are pretty black and white in terms of like doing good things for good against evil, but this kind of mud- muddies that up a bit in a way that I found really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it raised some interesting questions. I thought the I was really impressed because I what went into this, especially we talked about it like knowing that they did the reshoots and and knowing this is like the first like anthology film and like isn't part of like the the, the typical line like you know you're you're curious how they're gonna handle these things and um, I thought it was really good I really liked it yay so what did you think of Jen I mean what are the opinions here about her Felicity Jones I thought she was great. Yeah, I think I, I wanted I wanted to see more of her in the same way that I wanted to see more of all the characters. Uh, just like so, my my feelings about the the pacing of the movie. Uh, personally, I think it has a very strong ending, but the beginning there's a lot of hopping from short scene to short scene to short scene, kind of establishing a lot of things at once, and um, you know we're finding out like that the Death Star plans, uh, that, that someone has escaped the Empire and has a message that their Death Star plans going on, like Jin's father is trying to get messages out to people, et cetera, et cetera. Th- these things are all learned in like a series of short scenes. I think that that time would have been, because we, we, we know that's not a hard plot to understand. Like someone is defecting, they have a message from the guy who's building the Death Star. That's essentially like the nugget that's at the core of this plot it's not very complicated i think that time would have been better spent developing Jin's character out more and like seeing okay what have you been doing in the 20 i don't know 16 20 30 40 whatever odd years she's not that old um between when you were when your father was taken by the empire and now when you are a a young adult who does not have an allegiance to either the empire or the the rebel alliance like you're just trying to survive in this world what brought you to that place besides this one moment when you saw your father get taken by the empire and your mother die sorry it's in the first 10 minutes. It's yeah, not a spoiler. that's the first two um, minutes. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, and in that that's where I think, for me, it felt, sh- felt short. Because I, I, I think that the decisions she makes during the film make sense to me. Like, I felt like those were well-established. But we're kind of left guessing at who she has been before this point. And I think we could have stood to see more of that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think yeah, that that's fair. was that was part of my frustration with the movie is I really wanted to love this character and have her be my favorite Star Wars character like since Ahsoka. And it's there's just not enough meat there with her. But the rest of the cast of um you know dudes is just freaking amazing. Like the droid, I haven't memorized his oh, name. Oh, he's so yet. freaking um, funny. He's so oh my funny. god. So Very funny. funny. So funny. Uh, I, yeah, I actually, feel, I'll, yeah, I'll to delve sure. into that a little more just in terms of storytelling, comparing it to Ray, not comparing the characters, but comparing how they p- present them to us. Yeah. In Ray's first scene, we get a very real sense of what her life is. It's again, in a very short amount of time, we see her looking for stuff or like old technology. We see her selling it and haggling in a way it, 
that implies like this is something she does all the time. We see her getting like this meager little amount of food and going back to her very lonely home. Like we we can glean the loneliness of this character from that. We can glean like what kind of life she has lived to give her these skills that she has and what she has to do every day to survive. Whereas with Jin, like we know she's 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 been arrested at the beginning, so she's doing some stuff, but we don't know like what brought her to that place. It's definitely a more skillfully told tale, uh, The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very superior storytelling method. I just think the design work was so derivative and the ending yeah. was just beyond derivative. Whereas this that, is, oh God, I love it, the, it, the, everything about this film is beautiful. It, it really carries on a lot of the uh, you know, the J.J. Abrams principle of real sets and not really doing ridiculous camera angles that couldn't be done, you know, pragmatically or like cramming so much CG into every shot <laughs> that you can't even see anything else. It doesn't do any of that George Lucas stuff at all. It, it feels design-wise like a, a really natural extension of, uh, you know, uh, A New Hope. And I love that. Um, they even bring out some new TIE fighter designs, some new uh, rebel ship designs, and it's all excellent. Um, I just, you know, uh, Christian, I'm going to follow your rule and not spoil it. But, you know, <laughs> this is, it. it is such a, emotionally devastating ending. It's I very mean, I've powerful. Seen it, it I've is seen extreme. it twice now. Yeah. yeah. And it is, <laughs> it is hard to take. It is really hard to accept. Oh, my coworker, um, Susanna, was like, so Simone, bring tissues to Rogue One. And I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. Susanna. Yeah. Oh, boy, did I need them. I needed them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't wear eyeliner the second time I went because I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to cry this everywhere after the fact. Oh. Um, I think, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to kind of ramble more about, um, I really like what, I I love what culturally this has added to the Star Wars universe. I mean, obviously the expanded universe used to exist. So there, you know, things, the Star Wars universe has been expanded before, but um, for the movie universe specifically, just like the types of planets that we see and the cultures that we see on those planets um, and the way, I, what, I mean, one of my favorite parts was just the way that uh, these two characters, Chirrut Imwe and Baze, I don't, I don't, I know his name is Baze, but I don't remember if that's his first or his last name. The two friends who live at the, or gay space Asians, as I think they are, who live at the abandoned Jedi temple in Jeddah, um, just like it, it wraps in these aspects of like, what does that religion look like when the Jedi are functionally have been driven out of existence, but people still believe in the force? And like, how do you, how do you navigate that? I, I love all the cultural stuff that they did with this movie. And of course, the cast is majority people of color. And that is so, so important because I, they're just, you know, expanding on what they already did with The Force Awakens, just saying, hey, the human race is quite a bit diverse. Why don't we make our humans as diverse as our aliens? Um, and yeah, it's very good in that sense. Christine, you're film girl. I want to hear. I want to hear what you think. Lay, lay yeah. it on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard because again, this is my rule. We can't talk about the ending. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I, I think that it was. It was really. I. I, th- I was really impressed with the story. I mean, that's that's the the fundamental thing I'm going to say. Um, I. It. It exceeded my expectations. Um, I. I think I've said this to you guys before. I mean, I really liked Force Awakens, but I kind of never been. I mean, I like Star Wars, but I'm not like a huge Star Wars person. <gasps> 
Um, I know I've said this before, um, but I really I enjoyed this film, and and I felt like the lore and like where it fits in with like the the broader like in the the main line um, is good. I think this was just I it it was solid. I thought the filmmaking was high quality too. I thought that you know it it looked like a you know it had like a I liked its look. Yeah, well, it was a new hopes look. You know, yeah, like basically, oh my god, the lighting and all the yeah. the X wing yes, sequences. Yes. It was oh. just so per. I was immediately like transported back to that. Um, yes, and but- you know, I think you can make the argument that unlike Force Awakens, which really like leans hard on a New Hope in terms of story structure and everything, um, this like has aspects like that that tie into rogue or try tie into a new hope because it literally takes place like five minutes before a new hope starts and the, the right. fact that they bring back like this is what it looks like inside the x-wings in that movie down to the the uniforms the lighting the facial hair they actually like intentionally had some of those pilots you know gross 70s mustaches because they <laughs> wanted it to look contiguous and that's such a good touch um i love that they did that I'm just imagining those people like walking down the street and people are looking at me. It's like, I'm in Star Wars, okay? <laughs> Leave me I don't alone. need your judgment. I'm, in Star, I'm in Star Wars. Thank you. It's my porn stash. I know. I'm in Star Wars. No. We'd never judge. Never judge. So I, I guess the, the last thing I'd love to, to ask uh, all of you about is, you know, this uh, movie came out. It was under kind of the side brand called Star Wars Stories, right? So... You know, it gets me thinking, um, like, where do we, I, I hope Disney doesn't, you know, Activision, the Star Wars franchise and put out a movie every year until you're just like crying. Uh, but I, I do think there are other things to explore here. And I was thinking about it. Like, I kind of feel like the prequels have been so explored through the excellent Clone Wars TV series. I mean, where do we kind of want them to go from here? Like go into episode seven? No. I mean, stick around in this universe, maybe? Like where where do they need to go from here? That's a really, really good question. And I mean, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, I think for Disney, obviously, like they want to milk this franchise now for as much as they can. You know what I mean? And and look, and to their credit, I mean, I think this is yet another example. I mean, the, the, the TV show was a good example, too. But I think all these properties have really flourished under Disney. And this movie, which I think was kind of the, the one that was kind of the unknown because it's not, you know, part of the mainline franchise. So it's like, how is this going to work? Can, you know, the, the, the side stuff, can this can this live on its own? Will people be into it? And they are, um, I think, shows that like Disney has been a really good steward of this property. But yeah, what what happens next? I don't know. I mean, I really want to see like the next the next episode. I want to see you know yes. going into yeah. I think there's definitely meat uh, beyond between prequels and Rogue One, just because the Rebel Alliance had to form somehow, and we don't have yeah. an expanded universe anymore. So there's obviously conflict, and I mean even. Um, uh, Cassian and or Diego Luna's character mentioned so sexy by the way oh my god like I'm so, yeah. so hot yeah good and hot in this um, he so talks hot. about um, just you know he's been a pilot with the Rebel Alliance etc cetera, etc cetera. he's had to do some stuff he's seen some stuff there are stories <laughs> there there are definitely stories um, for with the Rebel Alliance um, and I guess I mean at this point in the story you also have like a an empire that has a huge amount of galactic power but does not yet have its um 
great weapon, which is the Death Star. So I don't know. It, it definitely it, it makes the dynamic very different, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine like the aftermath of Hoth. I think that would be a really cool story because yeah, there were a bunch of, uh, when Luke left, there were a bunch of uh, mm-hmm. you know, rebel soldiers down there in the installation. What happened to that? I feel like they've kind of gone into the Rogue One universe, so they can't really explore Wedge Antilles very much, even though that's a really cool universe. But uh, as long as they stick away from, you know, stay away from Jar Jar in Ewoks, yeah. I'm good. Like, Honestly, just hand this writing team a check. For real. I mean, I... I know that we have to acknowledge the prequels and like they, they have like a role in one of it. Honestly, I think as much as they can do to like retcon that stuff and just like yeah. put it in a box and never be <laughs> talked about or acknowledged again, other than just like the lore, you know, like I think the better, like even like if you go as far as if you have to reference those events, like recast them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frame them. Yeah. Yeah. Read. Uh, honestly, <laughs> how many, okay. So, so side question, it's been uh, 17 years since episode one and it's been, you know what, I guess like 15 years since episode three yeah uh, you know 14 years if you think i think that was 2003 wasn't it or oh my god yeah it was uh, okay so it's been like so it's been like 13 years anyway we're, we're getting close now how long before we can just like reboot re- yes <laughs> yes please please, please. And, just, and, and just just retell them i mean you know what i mean like before how, how long like do, do you think george lucas has to die like i don't want him to die but like do you think that's what has to happen before they can be like okay actually uh, Natalie Portman, we love you. Um, we're really sorry that you had to be involved with these movies, but we're going to completely uh, redo all of these and, yes. and, and redo tell a all different of them, story. Keeping only her costumes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> because those changed my life. Uh, but but I mean, this she is, was great. This is she so was insightful, fun. Christina, because I, I really think you hit the nail on the head. There's no story premise so bad that it can't be done well, and no story premise so great that it can't be done poorly. Mm-hmm. And Rogue One shows that these ideas of, you know, prison camps and like the wider economy of how a world works like Star Wars can be told in an interesting way if you don't have George Tinier Lucas like <laughs> writing your fracking script. So, you know, like you could go back through and tell those stories if you erase Jar Jar and have it be really, really interesting and compelling. And I do believe Natalie Portman, like break her back. Like she hasn't aged a day since then. So just give her a decent director to work with and a dialogue writer. I don't, do you think do that she's emotionally justice. ready for that yet we gotta no, let her go we, don't, we, don't we gotta do let her heal she did black spawn so she's probably still traumatized from that oh true no one should have to suffer that much god <laughs> well now i'm now i know what i'm praying for which is rebooted seat rebooted prequels Ugh, blah, my mouth new prequels just fix it just fix it fix just um, fix it yeah all right what are you up to this week christina well, um, so uh, Wednesday, uh, which is uh, tomorrow as we record this, is my last day in the office for the week. And then I'm going uh, to visit my uh, 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 mother-in-law and stepfather-in-law in Florida for the holiday. And uh, up until then, you know, I'm just like crowning out some some pre-holiday stuff, doing a lot of CES, uh, you know, pre-briefings and things like that. So Nice. Uh, I, uh, Brianna, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Brianna. Yes. Me, what am I doing this week? Uh, Simone Who are is you? Daisy here in the Wu household. 
I am freaking watching videos by the FEC, Federal Election Commission, YouTube videos on campaign finance law and how to file timely uh, reports with donations is awesome. And I'm having such a great time. Nice. Party never stops. Your life is just too wild it's and crazy amazing. for me, Brie. It's I don't amazing. know about that. Reading, just think of like, reading yeah, about think finances. of John Belushi hopped up times 10. That's that's my life right Party now. going up on a Tuesday or club going up. I know popular music references. Um, so I am. I started playing Stardew Valley just to make sure I was on the up and up for Game of the Year stuff. And um, I I was told that once you start playing Stardew Valley, you don't stop. And that is unfortunately so very true. I I had a bad day. I didn't have a bad day. It was a great day. On Saturday, I, I was sitting playing Stardew Valley on the couch and Rom and Sandy went out to a birthday party and they came home some hours later and i was i had not moved <laughs> i was still right there um i i am so addicted to this game it is scary i am i might bring my ps4 home i'm going to washington tomorrow to see my family for the first time uh, since i moved here in march uh, and I am going, it's going to take all my strength not to be playing Stardew Valley the whole time. I love it so much. Uh, no game is better. This is the best game in the world. I'm sorry, everyone who's ever loved or made or played a game. No, you're wrong. This is the game. It's the only one. That's my life. <laughs> I support you playing this, Simone. I 100% support it, and I'm not going to get addicted until I'm done with my work for the year because I had the same thing. Free, yeah. Do not yeah. buy Look, or I installed Civ 6. I was That's stupid. dangerous. Uh, right. That's no. real oh, dangerous. No, I, okay. I made I've, poor decisions. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I had to play that because I was benchmarking laptops. <laughs> and, and so Civ 6 is my benchmark game. Yeah. And then I lost like a few hours of my life. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's real bad. I, I do want to know what government Christina Warren builds. Like, is it a fascist dictatorship or yes. a, a democratic republic? Oh, okay. A fascist dictatorship. Go. Come on. Okay. Yeah, probably. The land of CMAC. There's no one ruler. 16. All right, let's go. Uh, Christina, where can we find you online? All right, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and the Snapchats. And you can find my writing at gizmodo.com. Are you posting your snap glass snaps? Yeah, I am. I haven't used them. Uh, it's been busy, but I will, especially during the holiday season. I'm gonna. My in-laws are gonna really enjoy them. I think. Nice. That was a stupid sentence. Snap glass snaps. No, I, no, um, I, I totally <laughs> understood what you're saying, though. You get me, Brianna. Where can we find you online? You can find me in the comment section for the FEC YouTube <laughs> channel, and also on Twitter under the fun and entertaining account known as Space Cat Gal. Noise. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. You can find me on youtube.com slash polygon where you can see my game of the year picks. Um, <gasps> Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley. Um, Overwatch. Spoilers. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, please give us a Christmas gift of a review and some stars on iTunes. Hey, what up? This episode is terminated. 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 <laughs>